Hello, and welcome to Master My Garden podcast, the podcast that helps you master your own garden, with useful tips, advice, and know-how as you go on the way and journey of mastering your own garden. I'm your host, John Jones, and it's a pleasure to be with you here today. So let's get stuck in to this week's episode. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode number 16 of Master My Garden Podcast. This week's episode is a solo episode. I think the last couple have been interview types. Um, we have another one of those coming up next week. But for this week, it's a solo episode, so you, you just have myself today. And what we're going to talk about is a topic that's quite important at the moment. We're recording this in the middle of May 2020, and we've had... Certainly in the area that I live in, the Midlands in Ireland, we've had probably the longest dry spell that we've had at this time of the year in, I suppose, in, in, a, in a good many years. And it's starting to cause problems for farmers on crops, but it's also starting to cause issues for gardeners where the ground is extremely dry and water that would normally be, you know, where you'd be able to gather up a little bit of water in your water butts and whatever, that opportunity hasn't been there for a long time. So it's starting to become a real problem. And we have the same situation where for about the third time or fourth time in the last sort of five or six years, there's talk of hosepipe bans. So that means, you know, your restrictions on, on being able to use hosepipes in the garden and so on. So water, funnily enough, considering we live in Ireland and the UK, and we get the amount of rainfall that we do is a really, really precious resource for gardeners. And it's becoming more regular that it's a scarce resource. Now, when you look at the average rainfall and the average number of days rain in Ireland, we get roughly 150 to 225 days of rain a year. That's the average. And again, it varies east to west in the country as well, with the west getting a little bit more. but we're getting 150 to 225 days rain and the rainfall levels are 750 mil to 1000 mil in the east of the country and 1000 to 1250 in the west of the country and the UK is quite similar about 750 to to 1000 mil so that's quite a lot of rainfall and yet still for the amount of rainfall that we get and the number of days rain that we get we still regularly and as i say every in the last six years, this is this will be the fourth or fifth time that a hosepipe ban has come in. So it's becoming coming quite regular. Now you can put that down to a weather pattern or a climate change or whatever it is that you put it down to. But from a gardener's perspective, water is a hugely important resource that seems to be at times becoming troublesome to get. So what I want to go through today, and again, it's hugely topical at the moment because of, of what the weather we've had essentially since the since the start of March and now we're up to the middle of May with, with still no rain, particularly in my area anyway. So what I wanted to go through today was 10 tips on how to save or use less water in the garden. So this, this will help over the coming weeks. Um, again, the long range forecast is not showing any, any huge amounts of rain, so we're not going to get a lot of rain or certainly uh, rain over a long period for the foreseeable couple of weeks anyway now maybe that'll change we, we we can get very wet summers as well as you all know but at this point in time where we're looking at hosepipe bams there's several of the of the councils have started to, to move that 
So I think it's important that we look at that. As I said, rainfall levels that we get in Ireland and the UK, 750 to 1250 mils, depending on where you live. And if you live in a standard house, typically your, your area of your roof is going to be 80 square metres to 100 square metres or thereabouts. And if you multiply that up by the average rainfall and allowing for a little bit of loss or a little bit of evaporation and so on, and, and we calculated that 650 mils rain, which is at the very, very low end of what we get. That means that on a standard house, there's typically 52,000 litres or to 65,000 litres falling on the roof. And for the majority of us, that's gone away into soak pits and into stormwater systems. And it's a lot of water to not be taken any advantage of. So that's, that's the first point, and I think it's, it's kind of critical when we come to one of the points, which is saving water ourselves in, a, in, in, in the various formats. But it's all about planning, really. When you see those figures, the number of rain days, the amount of rain, and the amount of rain that would fall on a typical roof, then really the issue is, is, is a planning issue from a gardener's perspective. So what we need to do is just look at it maybe a little bit earlier, uh, I'm working in the garden and business for a long time and the peak time of sales for water butts is right in the middle of a drought when there's no rain. Now I do know that people are probably filling their water butts from the water mains at night time and so on but when you think about the logic of it the, the peak sales for it are always in the middle of a drought. It doesn't really make sense when water harvesting should be done through the winter months when we get when we get the majority of the rain so it's just it's as i say it's a scarce resource over the last couple of years so it's important that we think of it a little bit differently and think of it ahead of us having an issue so it's likely that this is going to be a recurring team so i think it's it's something that we should all be thinking about uh, i myself here currently don't harvest water i have when we built the house we we set up the the, the underground pipes and ran them away to a certain point to allow me access to it. And I've actually just dug out that there in the last week uh, to allow that we can put a tank there and that will become our harvested water that we can use for you know, non-essential work like watering flowers and so on. So that's kind of an overview of what we're gonna cover here. So it's 10 tips on how to save water or use less water within the garden. So point number one is to add plenty of organic matter to the soil. Now this is multiple benefits, obviously organic matter, there's nutrients in it and so on. But from a saving water perspective, what, it, what this does is that it creates a better structure in the soil, number one. It allows the roots to go deeper, and so obviously deeper roots can access more water, as opposed to being up on the top of the soil or up high and trying to compete with other things for that little bit of water that's in the top few inches. So uh, a more open structure will allow the roots to go deeper and find water more easily. The organic matter itself then, whether you're using farmyard manure or compost that you've made in your own garden, uh, wh whatever type of organic material that you're using, that actually retains moisture in itself. So it retains it much better than peat moss or it retains it much better than, than most clay soils. So if you can add organic matter into the soil 
that's a great way of retaining moisture and meaning that even when you hit the dry time you don't need to water as much. Again, a little bit like the water butt concept, we need to be thinking of that ahead of time. So rather than waiting until the drought comes and then trying to mulch the soil, at which point there's no water there. If we do this before the winter, so in October, November, December, mulch up all your flower beds uh, with organic matter for the following spring and dig it into the top few inches, then that will allow the, the soil to hold moisture when we hit that dry period then the following year. So that's point number one, add organic matter to your soil. Point number two, we, I sort of touched on it earlier, is to save rainwater. Now, water butts is the most common way of doing that, and you can, you can buy water butts. The, the basic standard ones that you see are 100 litres is the sort of the smallest size that you'll get in that, and the 200 litres is the standard. And most of the time they will come in a kit format, so you'll get your actual water butt, which includes a tap on it, uh, a safety lid, a base, which allows that the tap is raised off the ground for getting your water and can under it, in under it, and then you'll get a diverter which connects into your downpipe. Most of these diverters are standard, so they'll fit whatever type of downpipe you have, whether it's a round or a square. Now in Ireland, anyway, over the last sort of 20 years, the standard has become the, the square downpipe, but as I say, those, those fittings do work on, on round or square, so whichever one you have. But the standard is about 100 litres to 200 litres. And then from there you can go upwards to pretty much any size. The major complaint that I hear people saying about water butts themselves is that they are a little bit on the ugly side. So if you look at what has come out over the last number of years, the plastic type technology and all that, you can get some really, really attractive looking uh, water butts that have sort of trellis effects on them or some of them that look mimic an old oak barrel. And other people use... IBCs that have come, you know, the, the IBCs in the metal cages and oil storage tanks and, and different things like that. So there's lots of ways of doing it, obviously. There's, the standard is 200 litres, but when you think about it, 200 litres is not a lot of water. Um, it might seem like a good bit, but when you start emptying it, it doesn't be long gone. And if you, I suppose, example would be like a standard 14-inch hanging basket during warm weather period or dry period you're going to be using two to three liters of water about three times a week on that hanging basket so that means you're using you know roughly speaking 10 liters of water on that hanging basket in a week so if you have a 200 liter water butt that's not going to last you very long and that's only a hanging basket that's you're not talking about anything else there so conserve as much as you can obviously space can be an issue for people and if it is then you know that's uh that's a tricky one to get around, but there is lots of water butts available. If you already have one and you feel that it's not enough currently, you can link them together. So there is there is jointing kits where you can add a water butt beside another one. And it what happens is the first one just fills and then it overflows into the second one and you can add as many as you want after that. If you happen to be getting any kind of major digging work done around your house and you do know where the, the water pipes or the, the, the down pipes from your house run to, while you're doing that work, it would be a good idea to try and retrofit in a tank because I know water charges in Ireland particularly were, were paused a number of years ago, but I think at some point in the future, it's inevitable that we're going to be paying for water. So if you if you are doing any, any digging work, you can get it retrofitted and 
get an underground tank or get some form of a, of a large overground tank that you can you can store all your roof roof water off because as, as I said earlier a standard house the rainfall on that is 52,000 litres to 65,000 litres a year which is a phenomenal amount of water as I said to be going away in a shore not being used and then we're using maybe treated water in our gardens so hugely important so that's point number two save rainwater in whatever means you can Point number three is to mulch your flower beds. So again, this is this is a hugely important uh, point. So you can mulch it with bark mulch, straw, farmyard manure, again, whatever whatever it is. And what you're doing with the mulch is that you're covering down the top of the ground, and that stops evaporation. Um, at this, when you get weather like we've had at the moment, evaporation is actually a huge form of of uh, moisture loss from the ground. So the the bark mulch or the straw or the farmyard manure or whatever it is mulch down tightly across the ground in a few with a few inches of it stops that evaporation and it retains moisture in the top few inches which is hugely important when you're mulching down just make sure that you've your, your area is weed free because again your weeds will be competing with with your plants for the for that bit of moisture and especially if if, if moisture is becoming scarce it's hugely important that you know it's only your plants that are competing for that water that's there so that's point number three, mulch all your flower beds. You can also mulch under your trees, hedges, any area like that where you want to retain moisture around a plant of some sort. So that's point number three. Point number four, we're talking about pots, different types of containers here, window boxes, hanging baskets, terracotta pots, plastic pots, whatever it is, of various shapes and sizes. And there's a couple of things here with this. When you're, when you're starting and you're filling your compost in for the first time, it's important to try, if possible, not to use a full peat compost. So if you can use a, a non-peat compost, it's, it's a better product for holding moisture than ordinary peat moss. Just think the ordinary compost that you get, they generally don't hold water very well. It's the type of structure, the actual moss peat structure doesn't hold moisture very well. So if you're able to use, at the very starting point, use a different type of media or something with John Innes added in or uh, a non-peat compost, something like that, will retain the moisture a little bit better than, than standard peat. But the majority of compost is peat out there, so allowing for that, you should also add water retaining gel. And that can come in many formats. So it's, it's literally little beads that you add into your compost and you mix it through and through. And then when you water the compost or you get rain onto the compost, the gel basically increases in size, increases massively. A little small bead will become you know, quite a big blob of jelly. And that jelly essentially retains the moisture within the root zone of the plants. So it's not, it's not washing out. It doesn't evaporate as easily. So it, it retains it where it's needed. Another good idea, if it's actual, actual terracotta pots that you're using, is to line the inside of the terracotta, terracotta pot with plastic. And that, again, stops the evaporation of water through the sides of the terracotta because that can be quite porous. So a couple of other little tips with pots. If you have a hole in the bottom of your pot, which most pots do, or at least if they don't, they're probably drilled before they're planted. But if you have some way during a dry period of blocking that hole so that the moisture doesn't actually, you don't, you don't water and then it just runs straight out the bottom, which you regularly see. And that's a huge waste of water. And obviously you need to remember that you have 
plugged that hole so when you come to put your winter plants into it that they don't get waterlogged on it. But if you're able to do that, it'll make a big, big difference to it. Uh, another thing that I do is that I add seaweed to it. I, found, I find seaweed doesn't necessarily hold water as such, but what it does in the early stages of plant growth is it's really, really good for the root zone. So it increases the root zone of the plant and that in turn allows the plant to be able to search and find more water. So deeper roots obviously is able to find more water. So that's why I use it. I think it's a, it's a very useful thing to do when you're talking about potting up. Little point there with, with pots is when you're watering them, if, you, if they can be all grouped together, because it's quite difficult if you're using a, a watering can or a spray gun, you're watering a pot. It's very difficult to get every bit of water focused in on the area that you need watered. So if you're able to group them together and water them in that area together, you'll get a better coverage on the water, get a very better use for your water. And the final point, if you're able to just move them into a shaded spot, so if you're in a, in a really dry time and you want to move all your pots into a, maybe a more shaded area where they're going to be exposed to the sun less and you're going to have less evaporation of water, that, that would be helpful as well. Point number five is the timing of watering. Now I think more or less every gardener knows this, but it's still a very, very critical point is that if you can water at night time or better still very early in the morning time because watering in the daytime when you have full sun and you have dry really dry ground with no water holding ability you'll have two things happening you'll have the water evaporating straight off in a lot of cases and a lot of the time then as well you'll get it flowing if it's in the open ground you'll get it going down into cracks and not actually helping the plants in the area that it's needed or if it's in one of the containers you'll get it flowing straight out because it's, the water is just not able to hold in those top few inches where it's needed. So water gently and water at night time or early morning is the best time. So that's point number five, getting the timing right of watering. Point number six then is use targeted watering and what I mean here is getting the correct watering system for the particular area. So for example if you were after sowing a bare root hedge through February or March and you're after coming into this dry period now through April and May. Now that hedge is going to need a lot of water. So rather than going along every night with a hose and spraying and spraying and spraying, dedicating a lot of time to it number one, but also not getting the water to the desired location and not getting it in the right way because that ground will be quite dry and if you're lashing it on with a hose there's going to be a certain amount of runoff and it's not going to be getting to where it's needed in the new roots of those of that hedge that you've planted. So what you do here is you get something like a porous pipe or seepage hose and you would run it the whole length of your hedge and it literally runs side by side with the with the stem of the sapling or the tree that you've just planted. And that seeps away. But it's a it's a perfect type of watering because it's a real gentle water. So it doesn't you're not getting that big flush of moisture. It seeps into the soil gradually, so there's no runoff. There's very little evaporation because it's continuously seeping. And then you can set it to a timer, so you can set it for an hour or two hours or three hours, depending on how dry it is at the time or how much water it actually needs. So it's targeted watering, and you can use that same system, seepage hose or, or, or a porous pipe. You can use that for veg gardens. So again, you're just laying it up and down through your veg garden. And you just turn it on, leave it seep, and it'll dampen that whole top area where where you'll need that where you need the moisture. The 
the other thing then is to try not use sprinklers as much as possible because sprinklers while very easy to use you just click them in and leave them and they'll water an area they're not very targeted so you you're wasting a lot of water whether that's in a flower bed or on a lawn you're wasting a lot of water with a sprinkler because it's it's not targeted to the specific area um, the other thing then is is if you're doing pots and so on again gentle watering not a big flush it from a hose so gentle watering so that it's able the compost is able to seep up the water as it's as it's done so gentle targeted watering that's point number six in point number seven is to use water that you would normally throw away from the house so there's a couple of types here so gray water number one which is the water from bats sinks etc now most people's are pipes to go out through the to the sewer system so to access it it might be quite difficult but there is ways of doing it so obviously if you fill a sink of water you might be able to link into the to the out out pipe against the back wall and allow that to go into a, a barrel or a basin or something that you can use in the garden now that water so long as you don't have any heavy bleaches or anything like that in it is perfectly adequate for watering the garden it's only as i say sink water or if it's water from a bat again you have a small amount of shower gel or soap in it it's not it's not a big amount of of contamination and, it, and it's fine to use for you know ornamentals in the garden so try and gather that water now it's difficult to do that but at times where where you have a hose pipe ban and water is at such a such a low level and restrictions on it it may be essential to do something like this but when you think about it water from a bat it's perfectly good water for watering a, a garden yet still when the bat is finished the plug is pulled and away it goes and it's it's treated water that's literally it's it's not being used or utilized to its to its max so i think it's it's a very good point if you can actually get the mechanics of harvesting that water that gray water better the other options then of water from the from the house is when you're cooking your veg it might be only a couple of liters of water but it could be as i say it could be useful for a pot at the front door or a hanging basket or something save that water obviously let it cool down and that would be perfect water for for watering a, a pot or a hanging basket the next point is to reduce watering on established plants now people get used to watering their garden and it becomes a habit pretty much all the time but especially through dry times but if you have old older established plants they don't need as well they need a lot of water but they don't need it as critically as small plants because their roots should have already developed and by watering them very very regularly you're encouraging the roots to stay high in the ground so they don't need to go searching looking for water so it's good to not water those too much it allows them as i say to the roots to travel downwards so they search for more water so you're encouraging them to be become more resistant and the established plants generally speaking now you can keep an eye on them and if you think one is starting to come in trouble you'll know by the look of it but generally speaking established plants that have been there for a while don't need don't need water so avoid watering those type of plants and then focus on the young the young vulnerable plants so if you have obviously anything in pots and containers is generally going to be dry and going to need water on a regular basis so focus on those anything that you've just planted such as trees shrubs 
hedging, anything like that that has been planted within the sort of the last two years, that's definitely going to need more water because the root system won't, just won't have developed enough to allow it to withstand any period of, of dry of dry weather. Point number nine then is to plant plants with a lower water requirement and this is definitely a good idea if you have dry areas or dry parts within your garden. So if you're living in an area that's on very very sandy soil then it's probably a good idea if unless you're able to harvest huge amounts of water and be capable of watering all the time then you should be choosing plants that are have a, a lesser requirement for water so plants like lavenders, cistus, choisias, genistolidia which is the broom plant and, and plants like that so choose plants that are suited to your area again I covered that in a topic how to garden on difficult sites a couple of episodes back and that's all about just choosing the correct plants for, for your area. So that's point number nine, plant plants with lower water requirements. Point number ten then is avoid watering your lawn. Now, for some people the lawn is the I suppose the centerpiece of their garden, their most important part. But when you think about it, if water becomes really, really scarce, then the, there really is no great benefit in watering your lawn. Okay, you'll keep it looking green, but lawns generally, and I won't say it 100%, but generally lawns won't die from drought. They might go brown, they might go yellow, but as soon as you get rain and as soon as you get a bit of moisture again, they will green back up pretty quickly again. So they're very, very resilient. And if you're watering on a lawn, firstly, it'll take a really huge amount of water to be enough for it. So every night if you're going out and you're, every couple of nights if you're going out and you're watering a lawn, it's going to take a lot of water. And especially if water is scarce or if you only have a certain amount of it from your garden, well then that is the one area that I would say you don't need to water at that point. So avoid watering the lawn is point number 10. So that's, that's been 10 tips. As I say, some of them are very, very obvious. The, the big one that stands out for me, and it was only really when I was researching this, that I realised how much water actually falls on the roof of a house that's literally flowing down a drain. And I would say in the majority of cases, it's, it's not being utilized at all. So if you have the opportunity to save water in any way, I think that's, it's a no brainer really, as I said, 52,000 liters to 65,000 liters a year on a standard, on a standard house. That's, that's what's falling on the roof of your house. That's more than enough to water any garden. So I think if, if you can harvest that, that's a, that's a huge help. So that's, that's been the 10 points. Yeah, I think it's hugely important given the time we're in. The fifth kind of hosepipe ban in the last six-ish years, so it's it's becoming a regular occurrence, and I think it's something that we all need to get, you know, get serious about and get planning. So it is one of the the scarcest resources again, which is strange given the amount of rainfall that we get, but it's just the the way it falls. It falls really heavy for six months, and then we get this dry period then at some stage during the year. So that's been this week's episode hope you're enjoying the podcast if you are please share it with all your gardening friends you can find us on social channels facebook which is john jones master my garden and instagram at master my garden and if there's anything you'd like covered in future episodes just let me know and that's it thanks for listening and until the next time happy gardening <music>